Welcome to Tech Writer Voices. We're located online at techwritervoices.com. My name is Tom Johnson. I'm your host, and today I am with Brent, I'm speaking with Brenda Hutner, located in Arizona. Before we get into the podcast, I do want to make a couple of mentions about our sponsors. We are sponsored by Madcap. Uh, Madcap Flare is the most versatile XML-based help authoring tool on the market with thousands of customers using Madcap products, including Microsoft, Google, HP, GE, Yahoo, and the list goes on. Check out Flare version 3.1 and a host of other new tools at madcapsoftware.com. We're also sponsored by Lunar Pages. Lunar Pages offers basic web hosting starting at $6.95. When you sign up for a basic hosting account, you get 350 gigabytes of storage, 3,500 gigabytes of bandwidth, free tech support, Fantastico script installer, and dozens of other tools. So if you've been thinking about starting your own self-hosted blog or other site, contact LunarPages.com to set it up. Now today's podcast is a special edition. I recently received an email from Edie over in Krakow, Poland. She wrote, uh, I'm a big fan of your blog in Krakow, Poland. Thank you for all the effort you put into it. I'm part of the Krakow ID Writer Circle, a group of information developers for IBM that meets weekly to discuss technical writing topics. I'm wondering if you would be interested in giving us a short presentation about SMEs in the, in the coming weeks. A few situations involving the nasty SME have, invo- have occurred in the past few weeks, and you've shown a lot of expertise in this area. And then later, she gives a little more detail about what kind of situations they've been encountering. Edie writes, I'm the most senior writer among the group, two years on the battlefront. The rest are fantastic young writers that fell into tech writing, haven't we all? but are getting very frustrated frustrated with SMEs. I'm not sure what the male-female ratio is elsewhere, but our department is predominantly female. The developer population is almost pure male, chauvinists to boot. I thought the female writers would have an advantage over their male counterparts. If I were a young sing- single SME, I'd be happier working with an attractive female SME over some guy. But that just isn't the case. It's a weird dynamic. Maybe a female tech-writing friend you, you have had... Uh, Maybe a friend of yours who's a female tech writer has had similar experiences. Maybe it's cultural cultural differences between the U.S. and Eastern Europe. And she says a few more things. But uh, while I was thinking about this topic, I was uh, the first person who came to mind about somebody who would be uh, an expert on how to deal with SMEs is Brenda Hutner because she principally writes for engineers or she writes about deeply technical topics. Um, a little bit of information about Brenda. She's co-author of Managing Virtual Teams. Um, she's also an officer in the IEEE, IEEE, an organization for the Institute for Electrical and Electronic Engineers, and it has about 360,000 members worldwide. She um, She's also a fellow in the STC, part of the Tucson, Arizona chapter. She has a blog at... Um, vagabond.blogsome.com. I'll put the link in the show notes. And she also has a really informative website designed for engineers at microwaves101.com. So in preparation for this podcast, I thought of about 10 really nasty things that SMEs say or do. And as we walk through this, I'm going to see what Brenda has to say about some of these topics. And if I have any input, I'll add it as well. So the first thing that I think SMEs say that... I, I really hate is the user will know how to do this. Don't worry about it. So Brenda, what, what do you, what do you, what's your response when the engineer says that? 
Well, this one's pretty typical because most engineers, in fact, most SMEs, even if they're not in engineering, have the idea that if something's obvious to them, therefore it's obvious to everybody. And as we know, that's simply not the case. So one of the things that helps with this particular one is to p bring in other users of whatever the product is and show them that they don't know how to use this. Even if it's in conversation, you say, well, you know, such and such a person had this kind of question. Uh, I like to work really closely with whatever the support people are, customer support, phone support, um, to show the engineers exactly what kind of questions the actual users are asking. I, I agree. I think, yeah, definitely when you hear that phrase that, oh, the users will know how to do this, that should set off red flags in, mm -hmm. in your mind, and you should seek those users as proof. Okay, how about this one? The SME says you give them the documentation review or the file, and he or she says, I just don't have time to review all of this. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, and it happens not just with the engineering types. It often happens with the managers or sometimes if you have to run through other departments, often there's a QA cycle or something like that. Um, <laughs> on that one, I think a lot of times it's as much political as it is relating to the technical aspects of the job. They feel that something else they have to do is more important. So on that one, what I'll do is I'll say, great, can you just sign this sign-off saying, okay, as is? And if I get their signature, then from my point of view, they've okayed it. Typically, when I ask them to do that, they realize that they're going to be held accountable and will make the time. That's a good, that's a good strategy. I, I've also found that, that if I schedule a meeting for them and, and even read the documentation paragraph by paragraph, uh, <laughs> as if they were illiterate, it, it also is helpful to them. Because a lot of times they, they may have some feedback, but they don't want to write it down, and it's a bother. And I think the worst thing to do is to, to email them the file and to think that they're just going to magically review it on their own and get it back to you without any kind of deadline or, or, or ultimatum posed. So, Okay, how about another one? The SME says, oh, don't worry, I'll just write it myself. And then you get it back, and it's, it's awful, it's useless. And then if you try to correct or fix it, they get insulted. What do you do then? It's, it's kind of funny because as technical communicators, as somebody writing something, uh, a lot of times the SMEs will have the often mistaken idea that they can write too. And they, you know, because they're writing emails and memos and reports all the time, it's the same thing, they think. Uh, that one you have to tread carefully. And what I'll do with them is I'll take the document and I'll sit down with the SME and I'll say, okay, let's, let's look at this first paragraph. Don't you think it would be clearer if we tried it this way? And notice I'm using, uh, I'm not saying if I fixed this or if you did this. I'm saying we. And framing it in a teamwork sort of uh, framework, I guess, helps them to see that I'm not trying to criticize them. I just want to create the best possible product. And that approach often works because 
the quality of the end product typically is very important to them. Yeah, definitely. I think if you can avoid any confrontational language by using the we, it would be really a good a good relationship that you're going to build. All right, how and about if you, on, one more thing on that. If you start going through paragraph at a time or whatever it takes, you know, help talk topic at a time, um, and they start to see that your suggestions are actually beneficial, over time they'll give you more of a free reign. So this is not something that just fixes this one page or this one help screen. This is something that you're building the relationship over time. How about when the SME says, oh, documentation isn't necessary. The interface is obvious. <laughs> I, I have actually heard those very words. I typically don't agree with them. And that sort of goes back to the first one. If we can prove to them to the SME that it's not obvious. Uh, if you ever have a chance to work with a dedicated usability group, that's really very useful. If you can get sometimes a usability lab, a usability testing, and let the SMEs watch a typical user use their product, it's just so eye-opening to them because it shows them that they do not really necessarily understand all the types of users that might use their product. I, I was recently listening to a talk um, by David Platt, who wrote Why Software Sucks, and he said that they did a lot of experiments where they had developers watch users try to use the products that they had designed, mm -hmm. and the developers thought that these users had brain damage because they just weren't figuring out how to do stuff and it, you're so right I mean these developers um, when they see and are confronted with visual evidence of confusion it's a lot more powerful all right um, I used to on that one I used to work for a company that was um, the SMEs weren't engineers they were meteorologists it was weather related software and we'd hit this problem all the time but the product was aimed for the general marketplace so what we do is we'd bring in a non-meteorologist from the company, one of the administrative people, someone from accounting, it didn't matter, and we'd have them watch, just sit down and watch that person. Um, it's sort of a cheap way to do usability testing, just to prove to them that it wasn't as obvious as they thought. I've actually found the same technique works well for documentation. I, I watched mm -hmm. a user write or try to follow my instructions and to see their their moments of confusion and the way they actually used the help was was quite eye opening as well. So mm -hmm. alright, how about another one? This is this is a huge pet peeve of mine. What about when the the SME says, Oh, I can't give you access to this and it's exactly what you're documenting. How do you get around that? That's a tough one because it depends. It might be possible that the SME isn't the one who grants access, uh, especially in larger companies. There's whole separate divisions sometimes that control who can access various things. So on that one, I would take a little extra time and try to find out why they're saying that. Um, if it's just because they think it's private, then you might have to get the bosses involved, your boss, their boss. Um, and in order to do that without causing a rift, you wouldn't say, 
oh, so-and-so isn't giving me access, you would say to your boss, well, could you request access for me, boss to boss, and see if that helps. That's that's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think that if you do get that initial negative about access, don't accept it as the end-all of the situation. Pursue it more. Ask other people. Like you say, that person may just not have the authority to grant you access or maybe under false assumption. But access is critical to <laughs> documenting things, so mm-hmm. don't give up there. Um, it's also sometimes I know that uh, many people in technical communication are sort of software only, so they're looking for uh, permission. But sometimes, it's, especially in hardware-related uh, industries, it's a matter of finding an actual piece of hardware that nobody else is using at the moment. So I've often had to say things like, oh, well, how about I come in in the evening? Or, you know, let me just use it for an hour while you're at lunch, that kind of thing. What about situations when the SME is just generally mean or nasty and rude? And you have no rapport with them whatsoever. Yeah, I, I really haven't hit that too often. But I think a lot of it is sort of related to what I mentioned before. You know, we're not talking about this one paragraph, this one help screen, this one document. We are building a relationship with these SMEs, whoever they may be. And it's worth the effort to, you know, you walk in someone's office or cubicle and you don't say, hey, where's my review copy? You say, oh, how was your weekend? Or just work really hard to build the interpersonal relationship first, and that helps some. It won't help everyone. There's things outside your control, but I don't know, you do the best you can, I guess. I've also found that if I sit near the SMEs, it, it's mm. really helpful in building rapport. That's not always possible in different company settings, but if you've got a laptop and you can just sit near them every few hours or... Yeah. Also, um, I find that if if it's the type of, especially in engineering, they tend to be really impressed with herd credentials. So rather than just saying, "Well, I've been hired as a technical communicator," you can say, "Oh, you know, in my meteorology company, I say, yeah, I'm a member of uh, AMS, or in an engineering company, I'm a member of IEEE," and that helps them recognize that you do have the skill level that will let you ask the questions that don't waste their time. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You do have a little certificate or a plaque or something that advertises? Um, (laughs) With my IEEE, you get publications, right? So I have my IEEE journal or transactions, or if I speak at their conference, you know, I leave the program lane about, and um, in a lot of engineering fields, Electrical engineers, IEEE is a fairly heavy hitter. Um, STC or IEEE PCS or in uh, other countries, you know, ISTC or P- uh, TCOM or any of those um, aren't quite as impressive because the engineers don't necessarily know what those mean. You have to find out what the SME thinks is the organization that indicates seriousness about the specific field. 
What about situations where the SME keeps him or herself unavailable? Is evasive, rarely present to help you with information, is just not around? Mm. Yeah, we all have deadlines, right? And if it, if the lack of availability is going to impact my meeting my deadline, I need to, first of all, take action before that very last day. And that might be something like sending an email with a CC to several people setting up a meeting. So I want to have a meeting with multiple SMEs or everyone on the team or the multiple writers. And then that gives me a paper trail that says, you know, I tried to see them Wednesday at 2 and I tried to see them, you know, whereas if you just call and try and make an appointment or stop by and they aren't there, there's no record of that difficulty. And you need to document your efforts to get this person's input so that if, in fact, the deadline comes and you don't have their input, you have something to sort of uh, CYA. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think, you know, if, if a SME is going to be declining meetings, it's a lot more of a powerful thing that mm -hmm. you can use against them than if they're just not there when you try to... If you have the paper home. trail. And yeah. I use paper in the most generic sense. It could be an electronic trail. Right. How about when a SME comes over to give you a demo of something or gives you an explanation of how something works, but they go extremely fast, they use a lot of acronyms, jargon, or if they're giving you a screen demo, they're just blowing through the application, clicking a million times a minute, mm. and then when you when you ask for clarification or to re review something to go slower, they get impatient, they, they start looking at their watch, you know. What do you do with this? You get a whole lot of the tough ones here, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, this one, you know, the first time I, I would, that that happened, I was sort of startled and unprepared because I had assumed we were working toward the same goal. But in um, it has happened, and it turns out the SME's goal was different than mine. So their goal was to get rid of me and move on to what they felt was important. So what I would have to do is make them understand that, my time is just as valuable as theirs and that it's important to the product as a whole that I get it right. And sometimes what that means is writing something that I know is incomplete or um, maybe inaccurate just as a draft to say, here's what you told me. I suspect there's holes. And then move from the demonstration to a document to show them what I got out of that. And then there'd be in theory, forced to do it again to fill in those holes. And hopefully over time, they would realize it's more efficient just to do it, take the time up front. Yeah. yeah I, I think definitely technical writers should not be intimidated by SMEs. I, mm. There's a saying that often bounces around in my mind when situations like this happen. Uh, he who asks is a fool for five minutes but he who does not ask remains a fool forever. So if I've got a question, yeah. I can look dumb for five minutes, but if I don't ask it, my documentation is going to be poor and yeah. there's going to be gaps. Well, I also think that it's uh, incumbent on me to do some preparation beforehand, and if that means getting a, you know, 
feel for it myself before I get a demo or looking at specs or even sometimes just the marketing material, which is often created well in advance of a product, um, so that I, kn I can feel comfortable that I know what questions I need answered before I go into these things. And if I feel prepared, that makes me feel confident. And if I'm confident and prepared, that helps them recognize that I'm not wasting their time and that this is a worthwhile effort. How about when the SME promises to review the document, but rarely does, or or if they do, they just note a couple of typos here and there? Yeah, that's where I go back to my handy-dandy um, sign-off form, where I say, okay, I need, if I don't get this back from you by such and such a date, I will assume you approve it as is. And again, it's not just me telling this one person that. This is me putting in writing to the whole team that here's the deadline, here's what I need, here's, you know, and I'll often do a little cover page that says, please look for, you know, content or missing topics or whatever I'm specifically looking for, and then a sign-off area at the bottom. So it sounds um, like that sign-off form is pretty powerful then. <laughs> yeah, well, it depends on the company. You know, a very large company loves forms, right? Yeah. And a smaller company, sometimes they get intimidated by the forms. They don't want to put their signature on something, so it's equally powerful. All right. Just agreeing that this is important to everybody. How about the biggest, uh, biggest pain that technical writers complain about? This me forgets to tell you about major changes <laughs> in the application that affect the documentation. Yeah, funny how memory works, huh? <laughs> um, they, <laughs> I like to be in on as many of the team things as possible. So if that means a weekly review meeting or if it means getting on a list serve, sometimes they have internal um, workspace allocation by project. If I can get on that early, um, then I'm just automatically included on all the emails. I also like in a larger company, if I'm on their um, bug tracking system, then I can take a look at that and sort of see what's going on. And finally, I would say the not the SME, but the project manager, the one responsible for making sure it all happens on time, is often a really good resource in that event. Just say, oh, you know, I know you're doing regular reports. Do you mind just, you know, sending me a copy every week or whatever it is? Because it's important to stay informed. So you want to build multiple uh, chain of information, multiple resources for getting what you need. I, I agree that attending the meetings and staying in the loop is, is critical, mm -hmm. even if a lot of times the meetings seem boring or irrelevant. And also just coming back to a point I mentioned earlier, if you can sit near this me, you'll often mm -hmm. be in a position to uh, catch this communication when it goes on, when there's changes. There's The SME is usually vocal about it, and he, he or she can just lean over and say, hey, we, we just uh, changed this menu or something. It's a lot easier, mm -hmm. easier than trying to track you down or to remember everything. Yep. All right. Now, the last topic is one that you, you probably covered earlier, but mm -hmm. uh, I want to address the whole issue of sexism. Do you think female tech writers are at a disadvantage when it comes to getting respect in, in the workplace with SMEs? 
I think that it depends on the people involved. If I walk into someone's office feeling like I'm going to be talked down to, then that's on me to, because they'll, they often can tell if I'm confident in my own abilities or not. Um, I think the, the sexism thing used to be worse. 20 years ago, I ran into it more often. I haven't seen it so much lately, particularly as the percentage of female engineers is going up. The SMEs are sometimes female. Um, our Edie was saying that they're mostly female writers and mostly male SMEs. That's something to acknowledge and work around, but the important thing isn't which gender the people are, but the qualifications they bring. And if you look at some of the psychology books or, you know, they say, well, women tend to be less confident. They tend to phrase things like, oh, I think, or wouldn't this be, and all conditional. And if there is a SME who is uh, not recognizing a female's uh, accomplishments or capabilities, then you really need to start talking more positively and you need to really emphasize the technical skills that are involved, not just playing nice, which is what a lot of times women try to do. Yeah. You know, overall, those are all the, the uh, scenarios that we were going to talk about. I just want to make an overall comment just about interacting with SMEs. Uh, when I first started out as a technical writer, uh, somebody gave me a piece of, of advice that uh, the, the SMEs or the business analysts were really busy, so I shouldn't bother them. And that was like <laughs> the worst thing ever because it made me intimidated by them as if they were these all-important people that I had to just kind of uh, catch while they were free, maybe in an elevator, maybe at yeah, lunch. for their time, right? Yeah, uh -uh. and that's totally wrong. You should not be intimidated by SMEs. You, you should... You, you should be bold and persistent and get the information you need if you and and not take uh, some of these excuses. Uh, do you have any overall thoughts that you want to wrap up with? Um, yeah, I think that the you know as as the male female issues have been improving over time, so have the sneeze in general are beginning to as a group, and that's a terrible stereotype, but as a group, they're starting to recognize more the importance of the good communication skills. Um, I know that some of the groups like IEEE are trying to encourage the engineers to acknowledge that communication is important and that perhaps the engineers aren't the best suited for all types of communication. And that's pervasive. That's through many, many organizations. And so for the most part, a SME wants my help. I walk in and they're eager for me to do what I do. Um, the This list we just went through, I certainly, it still exists, but I think it's getting less common that the SMEs find the tech writers or technical communication tasks uh, as interruptions. 
they're they're realizing that it's beneficial to the company as a whole to produce good documentation. All right, Brenda. Well, thanks for coming on to the show and sharing all your good advice and wisdom. If you want to, if you want to contact Brenda, go visit her blog. And what was the address again? Uh, Vagabond.blogsome.com. All right. And if you want to get involved in the IEEE, check out IEEE.org or the STC, STC.org. And remember, we're online at TechWriterVoices.com. If you have feedback for me or if you want to request a special topic, send me an email at tom at techwritervoices.com. All right, I'll see you next week.